right, you may be seated. Thank you so much. Good to see you, Friendship Church. <laughs> I welcome the online people. Online people, good to see you. Glad that you are here, <laughs> Friendship Church. Glad that you are here. This is the day the Lord has made. We might as well be glad, right? <laughs> we might as well. I mean, we're already here. All right, we are thrilled this morning to have Pastor Tim Barker and his wife, Jill. For those of you who are unaware, Pastor Tim is the superintendent of the South Texas for the Assemblies of God. So basically, he's the Pope for South Texas, okay? That's, that's who he is, and so he's who I pray to. No, he's not. Um, so we are thrilled to have him this morning in our service uh, Pastor Tim and Jill have spoken uh, many encouraging words to Becky and I in, in our ministry, and so we are so grateful to them and, and for their ministry, and uh, so glad that you are here. Thank you for coming this morning. Would you uh, welcome uh, Pastor Tim Barker this morning? Good morning. I'm not even sure how to respond to that, so I don't think I will. What a joy to be here and to be with you and experience the awesome presence of the Lord. I've sensed the Lord in this place. How about you? You know, when Pastor Adam was talking about me coming back after the trunk or treat and washing cars, I had a flashback. This happens when you get older. And I remembered when I was a youth pastor back in the dark ages. And um, no, no, I don't, I don't know if the teenagers, are they somewhere else right now? Some are here. Okay. So, so, um, uh, junior high, I found that junior high kids were really not a lot of help when it came to washing cars for missions or whatever project we had. I mean, it's just the truth, okay? Uh, most of the time, I couldn't find them when we needed them. And uh, so I came up with a creative idea that the the sponsors and the high schoolers would wash the cars. Are you the youth guy? Okay, you can use this idea, okay? And we had the junior hires washing dogs, so we advertised, and people came just because they thought it was cool, and they brought, we had little bitty dogs that were yapping all the time, and we had big old dogs that intimidated everybody, but everybody had fun. And um, so I don't know why I told you that, but um, uh, that, that was my flashback when I thought about washing cars. Um, you know, you can pay people to do that nowadays. You can pay people to do that. You can get a monthly membership to get your car washed. So uh, I'll be happy to help you. Um, Joy to be here, and what a great day. What a great day. Let me just say before we jump into the word that God's given us, we have some product back there that we travel with because we love to give to missions. And 100% of what you take home uh, and you, you support will go to missions. We don't keep anything. There are three, I only have three books back there that are devotionals, and they, they are My Jesus Journey. About about seven or eight years ago, I went on a journey where I, um, you know, serving the Lord in a capacity of leadership, and I just felt like I was isolated and completely alone. Has anybody ever felt like that? Like, uh, I, I just felt like I, I was completely alone. And, um, and 
through, through some, some difficulty uh, that contributed, but every night for 365 mornings, I would wake up in the middle of the night and God would give me a scripture verse that sustained me and accompanying lyric to a song. Most of the time, these songs were so far removed from my current reality. And so uh, I would, they, they would just take me back to people and places and times that were so special to me that just comforted my heart. And so um, I got up and I began to write and uh, journal those things when I realized this was, this was a visitation from God every night. And uh, so I would, try to, I would try to slip out of the bedroom not to disturb Jill and her sleep. And so I'd usually go to the restroom in our bedroom, and I would write, I would journal these things, and so when we got ready to produce the first one, she she suggested the title be Songs from the Throne, but instead, it became, it became My Jesus Journey, and so it continued, and I get to sleep from time to time uh, throughout the night, but God's just blessed me for the last seven years to just give me those special visitations. And so there are four volumes of that. I think I have three back there. Jill also has a book that's new back there that's uh, a collection of devotionals for women. Uh, And she also serves as a women's director of the district. Uh, A book that just, in fact, I don't even think the ink is wet on it because I just got it this week and I only had a couple of copies left. But it's a book, it's a study on the book of Hebrews. And uh, so, anyway, they're, they're back there, and they'll, they'll be a blessing. Um, I want you to stand with me as we look to the Word of the Lord together today. I want to look to the Scripture in Isaiah chapter 61. This is what it says. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Amen. God bless his word, and you can be seated. So much could be said today of this this incredibly beautiful passage. It's so powerful. But what I want to focus on for the next few moments today is what is said in verse number 1. If you'll look there with me, he said, He has called us to bind up the brokenhearted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. In Luke's gospel, chapter 4, Jesus is preparing to do something quite significant. Jesus is preparing to make an announcement to the world, this long-awaited promise, this this long-anticipated fulfillment of ancient prophecies, that the prophecy that there was a Messiah coming to the world that would bring hope. That there was a Messiah coming to the world, listen to me, that would remove death. If, if ever our crazed, fear-stricken world needed this message, it's 2021. Come on, you can say amen. Jesus had waited for the perfect opportunity to stand up and declare the time has come. He takes the ancient scroll of Isaiah and and he begins to read. 
it seemed like up to that point, it was just another day in church. It, it seemed like at that point, it was just going to be another day in the synagogue, just another day. But when Jesus began to read in uh, verse number four, uh, 18, he said the same thing that we just read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he said this, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I don't want you to forget that today. Because can you imagine the emotion that filled the room that day? Because no one had ever made such a claim. Today, the scripture is fulfilled. Why? Because no one had ever checked all the boxes of messianic promise. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was born of a virgin named Mary. The angels announced his arrival. Jesus lived a sinless life. And now he arrives at this place, having just been baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, and he makes this statement, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. This was not only the need when Jesus spoke it back then, but can I tell you today, it's the condition of all mankind in 2021. Brokenheartedness. I think that everyone in this place has either dealt with a broken heart or you're dealing with a broken heart. It's the great disability of our society and our culture. It's the culture, it's, it's the broken heart that we struggle with the most. There's a significance associated with our heart. Jesus, asked, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? And and. They, they thought that they were going to stump Jesus with this question. They, they thought that maybe somehow he would have to search the database of his mind to come up with a, with a great answer because how, how do you prioritize what the greatest commandment of all is? Uh, like, like not killing, that's pretty good. Like not stealing, that's pretty good. Like not committing adultery, that's good. How, how do you really weigh in and consider this question? But I want you to notice Jesus didn't even hesitate. Uh, he, he, he didn't have to consider all of his options, but Jesus' response when asked, what's the greatest command of all, was this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you will love him with all your heart. And then what he said next is, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he said this, the second is likened to the first, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Because he knew that every single command in the scripture falls into two categories. Loving God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Can I be honest today for a couple of minutes? It's, it's almost an impossible task to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. How many of you would agree with me? Almost impossible. Come on, the rest of you straighten your halos a little bit. It's a tough task because it's, it's, a, it's a challenge controlling our hearts, especially when you consider the many times that your heart has been broken. You can't do things with a broken heart that involves wholeheartedness. You provide a wholehearted effort to anything. It's impossible when your heart is breaking. 
And with this craziness that's going on in our world today, you are either sitting here in this service and you're dealing with heartbreak or you have just gotten past it. Because we, we've either met people or, or we ourselves are carrying symptoms of a broken heart. And it manifests itself in so many different ways. Um, it, one of the ways it manifests itself is, is half-heartedness. You've heard people say, you need to put all your heart into it. You're just giving us a half-hearted effort. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-mindedness is, is the result of broken-heartedness. It's when the heart doesn't function quite right. The heart is, is, is meant to, to not be broken into various categories. All chambers of the heart are supposed to be clean and moving, but when a heart is broken, it's unable to accomplish its necessary tasks. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth is going to speak eventually what's down here is going to come out we've met people that are double-tongued saying one thing one place and they say something else another place because their heart has been broken somewhere we've met people who are two-faced this is not a good time to say amen they're broken-hearted because somewhere the heart stopped working at full capacity. And, and, and at some uh, uh, opposition, there was a laceration of the heart. And it left them incapable of producing a wholehearted effort. We often refer to people as hard-hearted. Or maybe cold-hearted. Which refers to um, a, a, a death. A paralysis of passion. You've perhaps referred to someone as warm-hearted. That refers to life. Listen to me today. It doesn't really matter if you're dealing with or you encounter someone who's half-hearted or double-tongued or two-faced or hard-hearted or cold-hearted. I've just come here today to tell you that Jesus is still in the heart-mending business. He specializes in binding up the broken-hearted. I, I heard of a, a friend, the, uh, a story the other day and of a man who was suffering from a broken heart. I want you to listen to this. A situation that happened, happened five decades or more prior when his single mo- mother entrusted him the care of his three-year-old little brother while she ran quickly to the grocery store for a couple of items. He really wasn't interested because he had plans that day of playing basketball with the neighborhood boys. And when she left, he took his younger brother and got involved in the basketball game, occasionally checking on his little brother's welfare. As time passed, he heard the sound of the daily train zipping down the tracks near their house. But this time, all of a sudden, the train whistle began to blow and the train came to a screeching halt. The interrupted players all ran toward the noise, and there he found the body of his three-year-old little brother alongside the tracks. He said when his mother arrived, she literally collapsed and went into shock. He said he will never forget the pain on her face and the sound of her cries as she cradled the little three-year-old body in her hand. His heart was broken in two when he discovered that his brother had been killed by that train. And when he heard the wailing, he said his, his heart shattered into a million pieces because he realized he was responsible. He said his mom never recovered. And listen to his statement. 
that day, a part of my heart died forever. We don't know what haunts people. We don't know what keeps people up at night. We don't know the condemnation that people struggle with. We don't know what broke their heart. We don't know why they struggle, why they constantly are on the run looking for love. But Jesus says, I have come, and the Spirit of the Sovereign God is upon me. Hear me today, Friendship Church. Jesus is a heart specialist. You can, you, 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 the kind of heart that I'm preaching to you today, you're not going to find it on an ultrasound. You can Google this, this southwest side of Houston and you can find some pretty impressive heart doctors, but they can't help you with what I'm talking about because it doesn't show up on an echocardiogram. It doesn't appear on an MRI. You can't put your hands around what I'm speaking to you about today, but if you're here and, and you're, you're suffering from a broken heart, you can't fix it because you can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't find it. But the day that Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he opened in the ancient scroll of Isaiah and he made this statement the sovereign the spirit of the sovereign God is upon me I think Jesus was wanting every demoniac to hear me this day the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing I believe he wanted every woman with an issue of blood to hear this day the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. I believe he wanted every Roman centurion who had a soldier sick at home to, to hear him say this day the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. Maybe it happened to you when you were four years old and some kind of offense hit you with a blunt force and a chip of your heart went flying in every direction. Could have been when you were seven years old and there was a sweeping laceration of the heart and a piece of your heart fell to the ground. Maybe it happened to you on the playground of your school, in elementary school, and, and, and the bully on the playground. Maybe it happened in the living room of your childhood home when someone callously spoke something that wounded your heart and it broke into that day. It was because they were dealing with their own brokenheartedness. But you understand today, invisible pieces and chips flying in every direction. The scripture tells us in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I've come to take the stony heart out of your flesh. I've come to give you a heart of flesh. Do you realize this is one of the very few times in scripture that flesh is referred to positively? A stony heart means it's become hardened because it's tried to fix itself. Every time you and I become ill, our bodies have a way of trying to heal itself. There's a lesson here for the body of Christ. Hello? Because when the body of Christ becomes wounded, there are agencies within the body that should kick into action and bring healing remedies immediately. There are antibodies that fight off infection. There are cells within the body. Do you know where to find these cells today? You, you find them in the blood. Can I remind you today, Friendship Church, there's still power in the blood of Jesus. There's wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. Your heart will do its best to, to heal itself, but the unregenerate nature, fallen nature of man, we don't know how. We don't know how. So the heart heals itself the wrong way, and the result is scar tissue. You, you know what I'm talking about. Because once you, you were trusting, but, but now you're suspicious of everything. 
You once were loving, but today you're not willing to take any chances. The heart that was once kind and compassionate is now cynical and complex. God says, I'm going to take that stony, broken heart out of him. I'm going to take that stony, broken heart out of her and put in a heart of flesh. In other words, God says, I'm going to heal all the scar tissue. Hallelujah. I'm going to take out all the pain. God wants to do that for somebody here today. He wants to take you back to before betrayal. He wants to take you back to before trust was ever broken. He wants to take you back to before you were violated and wounded. He wants to take you back before you were hated or victimized. Well, where, where, do, I, where do I even start, Pastor Tim? I, I don't even know where to go pick up all the pieces because I don't even know where all the pieces of my heart are scattered. You can go back to the place where it occurred, but hear me today, you'll never find all the broken pieces because it's not tangible. It's intangible. You can go back to the mulch on the playground. You can go back to the courtroom where your heart was broken in two because of the bitterness of a broken family or the hospital room where you lost a loved one. You'll never find the invisible broken pieces. But listen to me today. I know one who can. There's one who can. There's one who can go back to every place that your heart was ever broken because he sees all the pieces. He knows where they all are. And he can pick up every little chip. You know, Jill has, a, has an issue. I'm not going to call it an addiction, but you can make the assessment after I tell you what it is. But Jill is obsessed with coffee. Some of you know her. We're waiting for Teen Challenge to open a program for her. But she, she not only loves coffee, but she, she loves the association. So if a new coffee maker comes out, we've got to have it. doesn't matter how long we've had the other one. We're getting a new one. And uh, she also has her favorite coffee mug. And it changes seasonally. Okay? So they all come out of the cabinet, or some of them do, and she replaces with the others. But uh, uh, if, if, uh, if her favorite coffee mug falls to the ground in the kitchen and the handle comes off, uh, I've discovered that Gorilla Glue is a friend. And, and what you do is you just put a little bit of Gorilla Glue on the handle and you hold it in place. Can, can I suggest to somebody here today who feels like quitting and giving up, just hold it. Come on, just hold it. You feel like you're not going to make it another day? Just hold it. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be still and know that I'm God. Come on, somebody. Hold it together. I feel like God is just putting his hands around somebody here today and just holding you. You know, sometimes it's not real comfortable when God does that. If the coffee cup, however, falls from the, the counter falls onto the tile floor of the kitchen. How many of you have ever discovered that fall and it shatters into all kinds of pieces? And, and for days, I mean, you, you pull out the broom, you pull out the dustpan, you pull out the vacuum, you do everything you can, but for days you're picking up slivers here and slivers there. There's some up under the cabinet. They've gone up under the stove, the refrigerator. When you move, you find pieces of that cough there, coffee cup there, and you, you also find pieces in the other room. Come on. But Jesus says, I've come to bind it all up. 
I've come to put it all back together. I, I, want, I want you to know today, God understands where every broken piece of your heart has landed. And He's gathering all of it together if you'll just allow Him to do so. He'll sanctify every moment and every memory. He'll cleanse every thought. He'll cast out every fear that you have. And He'll put it all back together. Come on, what I'm saying today is God will take the fake smile and He'll replace it with genuine joy. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. Come on, come on, joy is coming in the morning. This, this is what I, I want us to do today. I want us to stand all across this place. And I want, I want those who will be honest today and say, my heart has been broken at one time or another, but I'm here today to testify God has put it back together. I want you to lift your hand. Come on, at some point in my life, my heart's been shattered, but, but God, God put it all back together. Come on, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Now I want you to lift your other hand and just begin to thank him. Just begin to give him praise today. I, 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 want, him, I want him to hear our, our heart today. But there are those who are standing around us that couldn't lift their hands. And they're saying, my heart today is broken in a million pieces and it still needs mending. Come on, that's who you are. See, you fall into one or two categories. Either you've had your heart broken and God's done that. Or you're standing here today with a broken heart that God needs to heal. Before we segue into another part of this service for celebration, I want you to hear me real quickly. A number of years ago, four or five years ago, we were standing at, I was standing at our district camp in Kerrville when a lady approached me and she said, I, I want to meet you. I introduced myself. She said, I know who you are, but I, I want to meet you. And I said, um, uh, she said, this is our first time. My husband and I just moved to South Texas with our girls. And, and um, she said, uh, he's a physician, and he couldn't be here in service this week with us. Um, and, and most normal people would then ask, where does your husband practice medicine? But I didn't ask that. I said to her, what kind of medicine does your husband practice? And she looked at me like, are you crazy? I mean, what difference does it make? You don't know him. But she looked at me and she said, he's a fertility doctor. And tears began to stream down my face. Because our kids had just come in and said to us, the doctors have said it's medically impossible for us to have children. It's not going to happen, Dad. And my heart broke that day and because there was nothing I could do as a dad. Come on, Dad, you understand. I couldn't help. There's nothing we could do to help them so our dreams were shattered that day their dreams were shattered that day and she said um, we want to help I said well my kids don't live here my kids just moved in fact their U-Haul is probably loaded now and they're headed to South Florida for a new ministry assignment and the lady began to weep and she said oh pastor we just moved here from South Florida she said, the doctor who helped my, my husband establish his practice is renowned in the field of fertility. Where do they live in South Florida? And I said, they live in Fort Lauderdale. She said, that's where his office is. Well, South Florida is pretty big. 
And I said, well, technically, they don't live in Fort Lauderdale. It's kind of like saying we live in Houston, but you live in Richmond. And so I said, they technically live in Coral Springs. And she said, that's where his office is. So I provided the information that she gave me to my kids. And, they, and my daughter's response was, no, thank you. Dad, we've seen every, every doctor in, 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 in San Antonio. We're not going to go through this again. We're not going to put ourselves through the emotion of this again. We're not going to be let down. No, thank you. But every day as they would drive from their apartment and they would drive to their church where they both had their ministry assignments, the, they would have to pass this doctor's office. And the Holy Spirit would just scream out, I'm over here. Hello, we've got help for you. That's what I'm thinking. The Holy Spirit was saying. And the kids eventually went in and they gave the doctor their information and the doctor's response was, oh yeah, we can make this happen. And um, through the blessing of God and in vitro fertilization, we have a grandson who's four. His name is Kingston. And and at the time that Kingston was conceived, there was another embryo. And so the doctor made this statement to them. He said, my According to our belief system, so he's a believer, he said, both of your children are the same age, but we'll have them born at different times. And some of you that follow us on Facebook know where I'm going. We have a three-month-old granddaughter. Her name is London. And, and I'm telling you, uh, God is a good God. That God is a good God. A situation that you may feel like is impossible today, Pastor Tim, you don't know my situation. I don't need to. But Pastor Tim, you don't know the extent of the hurt. I don't need to know that. You don't know what he did or what she did or what they said. I don't need to know that today. I know you're God. And he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything that you ask or even think possible today. I'm just telling you today, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed us. That's Jesus' statement, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those that are held captive. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person in this place today. There have been those that have lit their hand, and they said, I can, I can stand, Pastor Tim. I can testify that God is still the mender of broken hearts. Father, we've lifted our hands. We've lifted our voice in praise to you. But there are, there are still those that are standing around today that are suffering from brokenheartedness. And they just need Jesus today. Through the Holy Spirit to just put a grip on it. Hold them. Hold them close. And sustain them during this time of difficulty as you gather up all those broken pieces. If that's you today and you'd say, Pastor, I I'm dealing with something right now. I want you to come. I want you just to stand right here. And I want the privilege of praying with you. Come on. Come on. If that's you, don't even give it a second thought. I'm dealing with something. I need God to restore. I need him to gather those pieces. It's not necessary that I go through another day, another week, another month, another holiday season with a brokenness. Today is my day. Jesus stood in the synagogue and he made that declarative statement. Today, this is the day. This is the day. Come on for you. This is your day in the name of Jesus. Come on. Begin to pray. Come on, if you've got a heart that's been mended, begin to pray because you know, you know the challenge. And in the name of Jesus, come on, just come and stand right here. We're not going to ask you any details. It's not important today. God already knows them all. He can take care of whatever it is. Now I need some people that would, would be willing to come and stand behind them. God has done a restoration in your life. And I want you to come and stand behind these loved, these loved friends today. And let him do what he can do.
Come on, let him do what he can do. That's why we gather. This is why we gather. This is why we gather week after week. That's why the, the utilities are paid so this church can turn on the lights for what's happening right now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, bring healing, I pray. Bring healing, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Lord, bind up the heart that's hurting today. Wrap your arms of, of love around those who are brokenhearted in this place. You see the cries. You see the tears. You see, Lord, you know every piece. You know every piece of the heart that's been shattered. I pray, Lord, you gather it back together. And, Lord, you're no respecter of persons. What you've done for Abby and for Nolan, I pray that you'll do it again in this place, Lord. Whatever the situation is that's breaking the heart, whatever's been said, Lord, I pray that you will, you will sanctify those memories and those thoughts today, Lord, and, and bind up the heart that's broken in this place today, Lord. Thank you for doing it, Jesus. Thank you for doing it today, Lord. Let them sense your love. Let them sense your arms around, just holding them in place today. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We give it all to you today, Lord. We, we give it all to you today, Lord. We're not going to come bring it to the altar and then take it back with us. We're giving it to you today, Lord. We're not going to continue to provide heart scar tissue trying to work it out on our own. We're going to give it to you. We're going to trust in you with all of our heart. We're going to lean not to what we understand or what we know. We're just going to, by faith, give it to you. We're passing it on to you today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. 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 How many of you believe God can do that? How many of you believe he can do it? Yeah, I think that's probably 100% of us. How many of you now believe he will? Come on, not only he can, but he will. He'll do. So I, before you guys move back to your seats, I want to ask you this question. For those of you that are standing here and you brought this to the Lord today, have you already thought of how God could meet that need? Phone call from that person or whatever, an apology. Whatever, the, whatever it is, you've already thought of how God can do it. Haven't we? Because that's how we work. Usually when I have a financial need, I just need to go to the mailbox or check be there or I just need this automatic appearance in my account of, of the million dollars that I'm lacking. Come on, we all, we all play the same game. We've already done this. Well, let me share something with you. According to what the scripture says in Jeremiah 33, 3, you've called on him and he's answered you. If you call on me, he says, I'll answer you. You believe that? And then he says, I'll show you great and mighty things. Things that you haven't even thought of. That's the Tim Barker translation. So what you've already thought of as God's best remedy for your situation, he's going to blow your mind with what he chooses to do. Because that's the kind of God I serve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's give him praise today. Let's give him praise today. Amen. Amen. While, while, you're, while you're returning to your seats, I, I want to invite uh, uh, my wife to come and, and assist me today. And I'd like for Pastor Adam and Becky and their family, if they're here, to join us. The scripture says in Exodus chapter 3, verse number 10, So now go 
I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is just a simple verse that, that I want you to, uh, to remember. Let me read it again. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, Israelites, out of Egypt. So three, three quick points here as we kind of segue into this commissioning time. Uh, three things that are noticeable here in verse number 10. Moses is the one, Egypt's the place, and the time is now. Do you get that? So as we commission Pastor Adam and Becky, we emphatically declare that they are the ones. God's called them. Um, he's chosen their spiritual gifts. He's chosen their abilities, their personality, their experience, and everything that he has that's made them who they are. God didn't choose anybody else. He chose them. So as the district pastor, uh, not the pope, um, but the district pastor, I'm here to affirm that today and to validate and to confirm. Egypt was a place for Moses. Richmond is a place for the Fifthans. Now is the time. Uh, it wasn't 1999 or 2018. It's right now. And so, Pastor Adam, I want to speak to you for a moment. From Acts 20, it says, Therefore, take heed to, the, to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And then he goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 5, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as an overseer, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor being lords over these that have entrusted to you, but an example. So will you faithfully preach the whole counsel of God? Will you commit yourself to loving this congregation by praying fervently for those that God has entrusted to you? Will you desire to love this congregation? Will you, will you do everything within your power to shepherd this flock by protecting them from false teaching and false teachers? Will you commit yourself to God's leadership according to the Scripture by word, deed, and leading them to love Christ and love His church? So my charge to you as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, you are to preach and teach the pure doctrine of God's Word. You are to comfort the sorrowful, care for the needy, visit the sick, minister to the dying. You're to devote yourself to the study of Scripture, carry out your duties according to the word of the Lord. The Scripture says that the Apostle Paul made this statement. He says, uh, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, the overseer must be above reproach, and then there's a list, a whole list of, of things. But then he goes on to say, preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, encouraged with great patience, careful instruction. Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, discharge all the duties of ministry. You got a job to do. Yeah, yeah. I want you as a congregation to stand with us now. So by calling Pastor Adam and Becky into this position, you have affirmed that they are the people that God has called to be your pastor. Trusting that God knows what he's doing. How many of you believe that? Open yourselves fully to their leadership and guidance. And when they try new things, support them. When, when something is done different than the way it's always been done, trust them. And where they lead, follow. And in doing so, you'll not only enable them to be the very best pastors that they can be, but you'll allow yourselves to be the best people that the Holy Spirit is leading you to be. I want to, uh, to, to give you a couple of gifts. And the first one is the most important, Pastor Adam. 
um, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, be a servant. So I'll let you, uh, Becky can put that on you, okay? I think you need to wear that every Sunday. Yeah, yeah. We were uh, we had some friends over to the house yesterday for a little bit, and um, um, my um, we we were we were preparing something in the kitchen. And uh, when I when I cook, I I don't just cook a little bit. Uh, I I just got cook for the whole the whole bunch. And so the friends uh, said, uh, "Wow, you have a whole pan of this leftover. What do you do with it?" Well, I'm flying out this afternoon to the valley, so I, I'm not going to be eating it, and we don't normally eat leftovers, and so he was waiting for us to say, do you want to have it? Um, when, when, when we were pastoring in the local church, I, I would prepare a meal every Wednesday for the, the whole congregation, so I'm used to cooking for 200, 300, 400 people, so uh, the, the apron, I didn't have one of those back in those days. The superintendent didn't give me one, but it'll come in handy. Um, uh, as you as you cook for this entire bunch, can he cook? He can't cook. A little bit. There you go. You go. How many of you like hot dogs? You got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, be the best example of the servant leader that you want this congregation to be. You guys have such a great spirit. A great attitude, and uh, be Jesus to this congregation with skin on. And then there are times that you have to lead. And so, yeah, this is really, really good. Yeah. I'm give you a, this. You thought it was a gun, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Just be a be who you are. We know you. You've labored. Be, be the shepherd that this, this congregation deserves. And, and go after Richmond with everything you've got. And let's reach this community for Christ. As we've already heard through the Spirit today, Jesus is coming soon. And we've got loved ones. You guys have been praying over those who have unsaved loved ones. We need them in the, in the body before Jesus comes. Um, because we don't want to leave any left behind. Will you reach your hand toward your pastors today? And let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this precious family. Thank you, Lord, that they surrendered themselves and they answered the call of God. When you, wherever that, that, that experience occurred, Lord, you spoke to their heart and you said, I choose you. I'm sure, Lord, they, they had some of the, the uh, concerns that, that Moses had or others. Lord, not me, I can't speak. Whatever the, the excuse may have been, you knew them. You chose them. You knew everything that made them who they are, and you still said, Lord, I want to use them. So I pray, Lord, this precious family and all the experiences that they've had and all that, they've, that has brought them to this season of their ministry and their life will be used to glorify you and will be used to reach this community for Jesus Christ. Lord, that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. I thank you, Lord, for, for what you're going to do through them and through this great church. We believe you for it, Lord, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you love your pastors, why don't you give them a big hand?
Thank you. Thank you so much. Can we give Pastor Tim a big hand this morning? Thank you. This is way better than my kiss the cook uh, apron that I have at home. No, I don't have that. I uh, <laughs> Listen, <laughs> this is a great church. I am so thrilled that God has brought us here. And we love you so much. You need to know that. We, we talk about you at the house and driving in the car in a good way. <laughs> and uh, in a good way because we love you and we, and, um, we, we want to see the presence of God, the presence of the power of God in this place and in your lives and in our lives and in, and in Richmond. And so thank you so much for being great people. And, and we will try to be good pastors as well. So thank you so, so much. Um, I think now, they didn't tell me what to do now, so I think we're going to go into a reception time, is that correct? And, um, okay, so um, we can go out this uh, back door back here, turn right, and take the one hallway to the right and go around, and um, yeah, we'll just spend some time there and hang out there together, Um, yeah, and spend some time. So is that good? All right, thank you so much for coming this morning, church. Hey, listen, I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it, all right? See you later.